Week two, one voice worship. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about and ended on the, the scripture about how God lives among the praise of his people. And tonight, as we kind of piggyback off of that principle of God living in praise, we're going to start to open the concept of God living in us even more, creating a place for God to dwell. How many of you want to create a place in Savannah, not just the temple of us, uh, as we're going to get into the message tonight, but how many of you want to be a part of something where we create a place for the presence of God to, to just dwell, for it to just stay, for it to remain? How many of you want that? Let me try that again. How many of you want that? Amen. So we're going to start studying this, tab, this idea of the tabernacle of Moses. We come to a place in Exodus chapter 19, which is where we're going to be tonight. It's exactly two months after the Israelites have left Egypt. They've been in slavery, they've been in bondage, they've crossed over, and they're just two months after all that. They set up camp at the base of Mount Sinai. And that mountain is often referred to, as we're going to find out through our study, referred to as the mountain of God. And as they set up base at this mountain, in verse 3 it says this, Then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. The Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Give these instructions to the family of Jacob. Announce it to the descendants of Israel. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on an eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me, someone shout obey, and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give the people of Israel. And a few chapters later in Exodus 23, verse 22, we have this. But if you're careful to obey him following all my instructions, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Wouldn't you just love that? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love for just a deeper like, like level of God being the enemy of your enemies? That'd, that'd be so, it's incredible. And I will oppose those who oppose you. A covenant has just been laid out. God gave some promises to the people of Israel. He says, everyone, if you keep my ways, I'm going to give you some things. And in that passage, he lists five things, five promises of if you obey me, you're going to get this. Now, here's the, th the five things if you want to look again. Number one, the people of Israel, it says, if you obey me, you will be my prized possession. In other words, you will bl be blessed beyond all other people. You will have more blessing than anyone could imagine. All you've got to do is obey me. How many of you would love to be a people where we are blessed beyond anyone could ever fathom? How many of you would love to be a people where you are so blessed that when you walk in the street and have conversations, when you get your cup of coffee at Starbucks or you go into your work on Monday morning, you, they would love to say, how is it that you are so blessed and you can say, it's not me, it's my God, he made me this way. He said, I will give you that, obey me. Second promise, the people of Israel, they will be a kingdom of royal priests. In other words, he says, the system right now is you've got to go through the priests to get to me. But if you obey me, I promise you that I will make you the priests. In other words, I will give you intimate, direct access to me. Pretty incredible promise. The third thing, he says, the people of Israel will be a holy nation. They'll be set apart. They'll be distinguished. They'll look different. They'll have something about them that people can't quite understand what's different, and it's an open door to tell them it's our God. There's a fourth thing. The people of Israel will be defended by God against enemies. I love that promise. I'm going to be defended by God. I don't have to de defend people with my words. I don't have to defend them with my mouth. I don't have to defend them with my intellect. All I got to do is let God take care of them. And then there's a fifth promise. The people of Israel receive mercy, grace, and forgiveness. That's a pretty good covenant. Wouldn't you agree? That's some pretty good promises. God says, I promise 
I will make you my prized possession. I will make you my royal police, uh, priest. <laughs> priest. Priest, I'll make you a holy nation. I will defend you, and you're going to receive mercy, grace, and forgiveness. All you've got to do is obey me. Pretty good promise. So what did they have to obey? If you keep reading in scriptures, this is the point in the scripture where we read about the Ten Commandments. He says, here are, the, here are the commands. You uphold these, you get the covenant of the promise. And in the middle of the Ten Commandments, there's a verse. I'm not going to read all ten. If you want to read, I encourage you to read Exodus chapter 20. But in the middle of it, in verse 6, it says this. But I lavish unfailing love, unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. He says, I'll give you these promises. All you've got to do is obey me. And on top of that, I will pour out a love that never fails for a thousand generations to come. It's a promise for their ancestors. It's a promise for the people of God. He says, I will lavish my love on a thousand generations. All you've got to do is love me and obey me. Now, I think that's a pretty good deal. Love me, obey me, and you get these promises. He says, here are the instructions. I'll keep them. I will pour out unfailing love to you. You'll be my prized possession. You'll be my royal priest. You'll be a holy nation. I will defend you, and I will pour out mercy. In fact, he poured out so much mercy that we, on the other side of the cross, got the mercy that is just a ridiculous, lavished love that poured out on us. In 1 Timothy 2, 5, it talks about it. It says, for there is one God and one mediator, everyone shout mediator, who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. In other words, there needed to be a mediator to make sure that that promise was to be poured out on the generations to come. And the way that it was poured out is a mediator came and said, hey, I'm going to make sure you get those promises, so I'm going to buy it for you. And I'm going to buy it with my blood. I'm going to sacrifice myself and pay for your sins. I'm going to be your mediator of this government. I'm going to make sure that you get the promises. I'm going to make sure that you are God's prized possession, no matter how many mistakes you make. I will make sure that you are royal priests that have direct access to the Father through me. I'm going to make sure that you are set apart. I'm going to defend you, and I'm going to pour out grace and mercy and forgiveness all over you. All you've got to do is accept me because I am your mediator. That's the other side we're on. Jesus mediated. I want you to have it, so I'm going to get it. So you have these amazing promises that we get to walk in. And as I was reading these promises, something interesting happen, happens with what the people responded. Because again, they're two months after they got out of their, their wilderness into another wilderness, if you will. They got out of slavery, into bondage, or out of bondage. They crossed over. They're two months free. They camp at the mountain of God. Moses goes up. He gets instructions. He gets a promise. And now we're going to see what the people say in response to these promises and instructions. Look at Exodus 24, verse 3. Then Moses went down to the people. He repeated all the instructions and all the regulations the Lord had given him. And all the people answered with one voice. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. With one voice. One voice. Not multiple. Not a bunch of people. It doesn't even list out the number of people saying it. It says everyone with one voice said we will. And before we can get into the building of a tabernacle, I, I just could not get past the scripture because I believe the Holy Spirit met me right in the middle of Starbucks coffee shop in that little chair I sit in every single day at Victory and Skidaway. And, and the Holy Spirit told me, you cannot talk about building a dwelling place for me until your church that I've given you the, uh, the, the pastoralship over, you cannot move on to understanding how to build a dwelling place until these people get unified. With one voice saying, we will. Yeah. Before we can even begin to build anything, 
We've got to have a united voice, a one voice kind of worship. Now, I want to address something because I don't want to get any, you know, heretical teaching here. I believe strongly that when you're saved, you become a temple of God, that he dwells in you. So I'm not trying to say that God's not here. How many of you believe that God's here is, is here in this place tonight? God is here. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. That is how we are, uh, that, that is the, 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 the promise that we receive on the other side of the mediator of Jesus Christ paying the debt of sin so that we could become free. We're freed from our chains and we walk into our authority as, as sons and daughters of the living God and we get these promises and we are a temple, a dwelling place of, of, of God. What I am talking about building and going to is a place, a corporate dwelling place of a greater degree of his presence. And sometimes we can ask the question, well, what do you mean a greater degree of his presence? Does that mean that we just need more people in the building to get more presence of God? What, what does that mean, a greater degree? What does it mean that we are to build a place where God can dwell? Well, let's, let's look at Matthew 18, verses 19 through 20. Is this okay so far? I also tell you this. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather... Together, not just gather, but gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. Building a place where whatever we ask, he will do it. It happens when two or three come together as my followers, I am there. I'm going to get into that in a second. Look at Matthew 10, 7-8. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something where when we speak the cancer for it to be healed, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It goes. I want to be a part of something where if a man walked in here with blindness, he would see at the moment of a whisper. I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a place where demonic influences cannot hold their ground. I want to be a part of a place where when people walk in because there is such a degree of the presence of God, it is impossible for them to leave in the same degree or manner of which they walked in. I was listening to um, some uh, leadership uh, videos and podcasts this week, and I was watching an interview between two pretty well-known pastors, um, Stephen Furtick and Brian Houston. For those of you that don't know those names, Stephen Furtick is the pastor of Elevation Church, um, and Brian Houston is the pastor of a fairly small church called Hillsong. And, um, yeah, some of y'all got that. Hillsong's ridiculously huge. But they were talking about things. They were talking about leadership and and Stephen Furtick asked Brian Houston a question. He said, um, what kind of church do you want to build? And Brian Houston responded, and it's so simple, but like so, like, oh, gut check moment. He says, from the moment I started Hillsong so-and-so years ago, probably 20-something years ago, he said, I always wanted to build a church that I would want to come to if I wasn't the pastor. And I thought to myself, would I come to Relentless if I wasn't the pastor. And as, as I started to dive into that thought, there were parts of Relentless that made me say, heck yeah, I go there. But there are other parts that made me go, I'm not so sure. If I can just be honest, can, can, I, can I be real? So I started to dive into those I'm not so sure parts. And I said, God, this is the I'm not so sure parts. If I was not a pastor, I would want to go to a church where I could see the fruit of change. 
I'd want to go to a church where the people were so linked together that there was no separation from the moment they left the doors to the next time they saw them the next week. I would want to be a part of a church where we didn't think it was crazy to heal the sick or cleanse the leper or anything like that. I'd want to be a part of a church where I saw what God wanted to do through his people that were willing to say yes with one voice. And I was going into this message, I really wanted to start talking about the building of the tabernacle, but the more and more I thought about it, God was just like, you need to challenge the people to get together again as one voice. I almost want to be cheesy and sing that Parent Trap song, let's get together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all might not know that, but you'll get saved one day. I started thinking about it more and more. I'm like, you know, I, I love this church. Whether it's packed one day or empty the next week, I love this church. But I, I think I was talking to my worship leader a week and a half ago, and I, I was talking about just kind of some vision and, and where I felt like God wanted to take us. And I told him, this isn't, all that Kyle Garrison is. And it's not all that Kyle Garrison has to offer. I know there's more in me because God anointed me to do this. And I know that the maximum potential of what we're called to be is not what you see. So here's the challenge as we get into tonight's message. If we really want to see the dwelling place where miracles happen, where life change happens, where we can't, we, we, we can't keep water in the baptismal uh, tank because people are getting baptized and we, we, we can't keep people off the altar because they, they just want to get healed and demonic influence be lifted off and depression fall off and anxiety fall off and walking out of here so on fire that people can't help but to see Jesus without us even mentioning his name. If we're going to get there, we have got to become a people with one voice that are saying we are going to use every single person in this room and we are going to come together and we're going to build the most insane dwelling place of God the world has ever seen. Do y'all want that? Because y'all sure don't sound like it. <laughs> Do y'all want that? <laughs> like, yeah. It'll happen when we gather together as his followers with the same voice. Now, what does the same voice look like? Because what we'll do is we'll ponder this idea of one voice, and then we'll start kind of going in our minds thinking, well, what is one voice? I mean, we come together, we sing the same songs, we believe in the same God. I mean, we, we, don't we have one voice? But maybe we've gotten the idea of one voice a little twisted and a little wrong and maybe a little too um, as it is. Because the fact of the matter is, when we think about what's going on in our minds and even in our prayer lives, I would beg to differ that we have one voice. Because what happens is when we come into a place coming with believers, People come with their own agendas. People come with chip on their shoulders because of offenses that have happened, whether it be with people in the church or things that happen at your job or things that happen at previous churches. We have these chips on our shoulders. We have these agendas. We have these attitudes of being above. You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you have people who experience God and then they feel like there's this like hierarchical, I'm bigger and better because I've gone deeper. Like we have all these different motives I've come to church so that I can get deliverance. I'm coming to church so that I can get this. When really the only thing we should be coming together to do is praise him and get instruction of what to do as a house of God during our week. Not let me come here to get delivered, but let me come here so I can figure out how to disperse deliverance to every person that comes into my path. We, we don't come with a, a one voice type of attitude. We have all these different things. And instead of, God hearing, instead of God hearing one voice in our prayers, he starts hearing uh, all, all these, different, these different prayers. And I'm not saying God's not big enough to hear all the prayers. I assure you he is. And he hears everyone's voice um, individually and significantly. And he doesn't put you down or anything like that. He wants to hear you. But a one voice kind of worship doesn't look like the pastor praying for the church 
all day or every day saying, God, let these people come alive in Christ. And then you have another person, instead of saying, God, let people come alive in Christ, they're saying, God, give me increase in my job. Give me favor with my boss. Give me a raise. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I need this. God, I want this. God, can you do this with my daughter? God, can you do this with my son? God, can you do this with my job? God, can you do this? God, can you do this? God, can you do that? Yet we say we have one voice. All these people came together with these instructions and they were all together unified in simply this. We are going to carry that out and that is our only agenda and that's all we want. But instead, we have all these different things going on. When God simply wants to hear one voice. If you want to know what the one voice sounds like, shout bring it. sounds like shout bring it. bring it there we go thank you Tyler one of my favorite scriptures and I'll read it almost every week but I'm gonna read it tonight in a different context Matthew 6 seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need Seek the kingdom. Some versions say, seek his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. That sounds so simple. But I want to go over what I, what I just laid out for you. One voice worship. But we come in here. God, I need this in my finances. God, I need this in my, fi in my family. God, I need this in my work. God, I need this. 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 And he says, yeah, I got you. I know your every need. So let me give you the way to get what you need. Seek me. Seek my righteousness. And I'll give you what you need. But instead, we have a unified church who doesn't involve ourselves with anybody else. It's all about God, I need. God, give me. Have you ever noticed there wasn't, heart, there wasn't one story in the scripture of the disciples when Jesus necessarily met their need? It was all about him sending them to meet others' needs, and in return, they got their needs met. But we spend our prayer times and even our intercession praying, God, would you do this for me? God, do this for me. And we have forgotten how to get together as one voice and simply seek him. Seeking him and seeking his righteousness. Seeking righteousness. Seeking God's will above your own. Seeking for his desires to replace yours. When was the last time you had a need that instead of asking for God to fill it, you went and filled someone else's? Can I share with you what happened to me this week that, that just broke my depression? I got, I got depressed this week. I don't know where, I don't get depressed. It was bad. I got done with everything Friday. I came here with uh, uh, Gene and, and my mom, and we vacuumed and we cleaned, and then I went to the golf course to do my golf course job that some of you don't know about, and you're not going to know about it because I don't want you to come look at me on my golf cart. But I was there, and, and, and I was working, and I was listening to praise music, and I was fine. Then all of a sudden, I went home, and it was just like, <laughs> like a weight. So you know what I did? I got in my car. And I went downtown on Friday night. Now, some of you think I'm about to say to go do some things. That's not what I did. Because I do this every time I get down by myself. Y'all remember that song back in the day, I get down, he lifts me up? No? All right. Y'all haven't been saved that long. Um, but <laughs> I, uh, I went downtown on Friday night, and I went to Vinnie Van Gogh's and bought some slices. And I went to McDonald's and brought and I bought about 10 $1 McDoubles. And I just started finding people who were hungry. Because if I'm going to preach this to you, I need to live it out. And what this is telling me, seek first his kingdom and seek his character. God took care of me before he ever took care of himself. He said, I'm going to sacrifice my son for you. So before I say, God, would you take away this 
pain in me, this anxiety, this depression, this whatever it is, the first thing that I need to do was not pray, God, would you do it? It's let me go take care of someone else's need because I know that the promise is if I get my mind on them, my father promised me that on the other end of the cross, I'll defend you, I will make you holy, I will make you a priest, and I will take care of you. What was the Great Commission? Go, therefore. He gave us something. Go. But in our need, in our one voice, our go has become, let me get to my prayer closet and ask God to do something for me. We waste so much time. One voice. Seek first. I was having a conversation with someone this week about the seeking. You remember in Acts chapter 2 when the, all the disciples and the people of God, I think it was 120 of them or whatever it was in the upper room, the, the Holy Spirit blew through the room and, and, and the, the, the gift of languages came for them because there was like 15 different languages spoken in there. You, you, you ever notice that not one time in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2 you, you see the disciples ask for anything? They weren't even praying, God, give us revival. They weren't even praying that. And yet, that's what every Pentecostal church in America does today. God, we want a revival. God, we want your move. All they did was they got in a room, and they were seeking him. They didn't want revival. They wanted to be revived. By simply saying, God, here I am, and I love you. They had, they had no scripture to read. They didn't know what was going to happen. They had no promise or agenda. They just sought him. And when they sought him, everything they needed happened. And it says at the end of that in the upper room, it says they start, people started asking, hey, Peter, what you, what's up, man? What's going on? And at the end of the passage, it says 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Why were they added? Not because they were scheduling a crusade. Not because they were going to go preach in the square. They were together with one voice, with one agenda. I love you, God. Glory. 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 You know, there's scriptures that talk about what the angels say. All they say is glory. Talk, <laughs> glory. Holy. Holy. He's so good, they don't have time to do anything else. Is God so good in your life that you don't have time for anything else but seeking him and his righteousness? If we become a one-voice worship type of church, it don't matter if there's 20 people in here or 20,000 people in here. Stuff will happen like crazy. Not, in the, I'm not, not just miracles and signs and wonders. I'm believing for that. But I'm talking about a greater level. I'm talking about being so one-voice worship that no one has financial need anymore. That no one feels left out. That no one feels alone. Because everything you need is being supplied by the one voice worship. Every need you have. Every need. Every emotional need, every physical need, every spirit, every, every need. Supply, supply, supply. Because if you seek him and seek his righteousness, seek his care, seek being like him, everything you need will be given. One voice. The principle was the same in Exodus. He said, follow my commandments and I'll give you all the promises you need to be fruitful. Yet we're taught this bad theology of ask God for everything when he simply says the key to everything is seeking. Seeking. Seek first. Seek, seek, seek. Families, you got some problems? Go home at night. And stop trying to figure out things and start seeking. Pray with your husband and wife tonight. Pray, with your, pray over your kids. Not God would you do something, but God let them see you differently. Like, like just let a greater degree of seeking come. I, I, I'm not, I don't want to bust them out, but I'm going to. I get so much encouragement every Saturday night. Because we end about 7.30 or so, and then around 9 o'clock, I start getting texts from Blaze. 
and Blaze basically texts me sermons. <laughs> He'll be like, man, we're going to see this if the people would just wake up. I'm like, Amen, man. Man, we're going to see, and he doesn't mean, you know, just y'all. He means the people of God. Like, he, he, he starts going there. We, 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 we need to see a greater degree of his presence. We need to seek him. We need to seek him. And he's like, man, I love you. Great message. Blaze. Y'all probably don't ever talk to Blaze. You do? <laughs> he did. But I love that because he gets it. It's just seeking him. These people were together with one voice. And they were about to build something for the dwelling place of God. In John chapter 17, this is Jesus praying in verse 18. It says, just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world, talking about us. I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I love that we have an account of Jesus praying over us specifically. I pray that they will all be what? One. Just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You know why the whole world has not come up under the lordship of Jesus? Because we have not walked into true unity yet. Can you imagine a day if the church of Savannah will become so unified, the only spots the world could possibly have is how and what and tell me. I have given them, verse 22, the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Unity. One voice. A one voice worship. Preparing to build a place for the presence of God to dwell. Not visit, but dwell. Justin, can you come up here, buddy? Justin gave me a word this week, and it was so on time. And I know I don't do this a lot in my messages, but I asked him if he would share this word. If, for those of you that came, came to group Wednesday night, um, you would have heard this. For those, those of you that didn't, that's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And um, we, uh, just kidding. And, and, um, but in this idea of perfect unity and this idea of one voice, I felt like the word that he had was on time for this message. So if you would share for like, you know, 60 seconds or, or 10 minutes, whatever you want. Amen. Um, the Lord started giving me this word Wednesday. It was kind of building off of something that he had started speaking to me in January. Um, anyways, I started out by just telling Kyle that uh, there was a plan of the enemy to keep him distracted and that now is the time where he was in a, a time of just distraction by the enemy and it was just praying to, to break that off but and then the Lord started showing me again um, a chessboard that the Lord has set before Kyle to uh, strategically begin to place uh, people in positions of leadership and that the Lord was lining things up to set people in alignment and leadership and um, the, what um, he, he reminded me of again was that now is a time to build ministry and to build up saints for the work of ministry because it's what the Lord has for us to do in this time. And I believe the Lord sent me here in a strategic time in itself, and he brought me out of a cave that I was in and sent me here to, to, uh, to be with Kyle and to be with all of you and to, you know, make a relationship with you and grow to love you as I have. And because um, the Lord orders our steps according to his timing, you know. And, um, but specifically, now is a strategic time in Savannah and in, in Relentless specifically to build up ministry and to build up the work of ministry because God wants us to be strengthened and mature and to go out and to do his work. I have an hour or two that you've been summarizing all night. The Lord gave me this word during, during this word during worship. Sorry, gotta find my words. But he's saying that I have been weaning you off of the bottle, so do not return to the elementary works 
but seek to do my will and to eat the meat of the word of God. And um, some of you should be teachers and you're saying that I'm in a dry place, but don't be offended at church or church leadership, but go find that place of, of water and the river and the living water in your prayer closet because God will pour out to you there and you won't be dry anymore. And uh, the Lord said that I had set before you a plate of meat. And how many of you know that Jesus said, the meat that I eat is to do the will of my Father. And the Lord has this meat in front of us for us to eat and not continue to return to the bottle of the elementary teaching of Christ, but to step up to the plate to do his will. Because the Lord has positions for all of us. And some of us who have a calling are asking the Lord, God, like, where is my ministry? Like, why haven't you given this to me yet? But I heard him say that uh, just because you have a calling doesn't mean that I'm going to give anything to you right away because I have given you a talent and you haven't put it in the ground yet. You have to sow into it to get more because if you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. And the Lord has much to give us, but he's just pouring out so much grace to us tonight even because there's a, a new level of grace that he's even opened up for us tonight and a new measure of his spirit and glory that he's given us tonight to do what he's called us to do in this time, to carry us into the next season and beyond. But so where you're at, where you're led to, so at home, Begin to, to do what the Lord's called you to do at home and in your neighborhood and in Walmart and the grocery store. And the Lord will begin to open up more and more for you. So don't be offended at a church or at God or even at yourself, but just start to do his will. And that'll be the meat that you eat. And the Lord told me Wednesday also, strengthen what remains. Strengthen what remains. And I will strengthen you in turn in this season and it'll be like oil poured on the head of leadership first and then it'll flow down into the congregation and the Lord will open up the floodgates and flood this place I pulled up the uh, the verse that was attached to that strength and what remains and it's Revelation 3 2 let me whip my little phone out right here and read it to you real quick amen Wake up, strengthen what remains, and it is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. And that's just going back to you. Keep going back to the bottle, and the Lord has a plate of meat, of works to do his will in front of you. So I just want to bless you and encourage you that now is a strategic time, and God is pouring out grace to do his will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's good. One people, one voice. The very next scripture that I have for you in line with that is this, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 13. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body, and so it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we share the same spirit. That word he gave me, which I had already started putting some things into place, so it was more of a confirming word for me. The, the example of the chessboard and the, the putting the, the, the pieces into play and, and that word about strength and what remains. I realized something about what's been going on at Relentless for the past almost five years come this July. You ever notice how we have waves of a lot of people coming and waves of a lot of people getting saved and, and the waves of baptism, but then there's like still waters, like where, like where it gets a little bit, you know, like not as exciting. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's okay to say yeah. Y'all know what I'm talking about? God told me why. He said, you're letting me breathe on you, but you have nothing to catch my breath. So I breathe and you see things start to come up, but you've got nothing to hold the breath. So God started speaking to me. He said, you need to take what you've got right now that has stuck and has remained and the ones that are here now in this time and start putting them into place with their gifts and their abilities. And those are the ones that are going to build 
the dwelling place of God so that the next time his breath comes, it ain't leaving. The next time the movement starts to happen, it ain't going. You see, it's not dependent on how cool we can make relentless. It's not dependent on how good I preach. It's not dependent upon how good the worship team is. What it depends on is every single part of the body stepping up and saying, yes, I will. Yes, I will, with one voice, all together. <laughs> in Romans 15, 5 through 7, it says, May God, who gives the patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with what? One voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. You know how we're going to build the dwelling place of God? we got to start falling in love with each other. we got to start falling in love with each other. Can I get a little offensive tonight in my message? Give me permission, just shout. Yep. Half the people in this church, we all go, I don't know if I'm going to go there. Yeah, I'm going to go there. None of us do life together anymore. Hardly anyone's involved in groups. No one, no one goes out and does anything anymore. I remember a day when there was like 10 of us playing disc golf. I remember when there was a day when the ladies would get together for like, you know, lady stuff, whatever y'all do, whatever you women do. I, I, I remember when there was times where we couldn't wait to go out to eat after the service and just commune together. Some of us still do that. But like, and I'm guilty of it too. I'm not just saying, y'all, it's like we've got to fall in love with each other. We, we, we've got to get to a place where like, it, 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 something's wrong when we're not together. Because what we do is we come here and it's like, oh, I'm glad to see you. How was your week? But really that question should have been answered by the living with each other during the week. It says they were in harmony with each other. Complete harmony. And they were in one voice giving praise and glory to God. You know what's funny about that? In Exodus, when Moses came down with the instructions and the people got together with one voice and they said, we will. Literally seven verses later, read Exodus 24, verse 11. And though these nobles of Israel gazed upon God, he did not destroy them. In fact, they ate a covenant meal, eating and drinking in his presence. We don't pay attention to that verse. Think about it. They were at a place where God's presence was so great, he was like, no one gets to come up here but Moses. You can't handle it. And they're sitting there, the verse before it describes the presence of God looking like a light blue sky almost, or a deep blue sky. The presence is there, God's there, and they were eating together and drinking in his presence. Water, drinking water. They were communing together. In the presence of God with one voice, they were in complete harmony. Celebrating breaking bread, very much in the same way that Jesus broke bread and drank wine with the disciples. It is a beautiful picture of one voice, a, a people who had just fallen in love with each other. People who just wanted to do life together. You know, in the upper room that we just referenced, the people with one voice, Seeking God, the true one voice, they were just seeking him. You know what the end of that chapter says? Acts 2.42, read it. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to a few things. The apostles' teachings, fellowship, sharing of meals, and prayer. We, we, we love to pray, but do we love to pray together? I remember sometimes we try to do some prayer nights. We had like 35 people come the first time, and then three of us the second time. 
I'm challenging y'all tonight. Is that okay? Where has our desire gone to simply be together? Watch our kids grow up. You know, like, there are so many young children in this church. And you know what should be a defining thing in their life? Tons of godly influence that they know as friends of mommy and daddy. But we all have our own agendas. We're building our own things. We're going to our own Bible studies. We got so much work. We're trying to build a business for myself. I'm, try, I'm trying to make something of myself, Kyle. I'm trying to get ahead in life. Seek first his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And all these things will be added. If we would become seekers of him, everything that you're trying to do yourself will be, not my, will be added. And if we would do it together in complete harmony in one voice, that's when God's ready to say, let's do something. I'm here. Let's do something to a greater degree that this city has never seen before. I was riding around Savannah today. And one of the things that I was down about Friday if I can just be transparent, before I started serving people and it broke, I was thinking like, I don't, I don't, like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. I've been here like all my life, and I, I went to college in Athens, and I came back, and I started this church, and I'm here in Savannah, and I'm just tired of Savannah, and maybe I should just pack up and go, because I'm tired of Savannah. Well, I served, and I got up this morning, and as I was riding around and walking around, I realized how much I love this city. And I don't love it only because of its beauty or anything like that or its history. The reason I love it is because I believe that God has created me to change it, to influence it. And the way we're going to influence it is not to build a church on a good preacher. The way we're going to influence the city is not to build a church on great worship. The way we're going to influence the city is to be a church with a one voice kind of worship where every single soul in this room is starting to walk in their gifts and abilities that God has put in you so that we as one voice could be the strongest thing that the world has never seen. First John 4.20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see how can we love God whom we can't see. It's a call to fall in love with his church, with his people. I probably shouldn't share this because I haven't talked about it with the leadership yet, but I'm going to share it anyway, so y'all just going to have to forgive me because I can do that. As I was praying this week about things, this one voice worship and this love fellow believers kept replaying in my mind. And I began to think about all the petty junk that the church fights with. You got, I'm not, I'm not saying just these denominations, these are just ones that I can identify with, but you have denominations like a Baptist church who has their opinions about the Pentecostal church. Then you have the Pentecostal church who thinks they're above the Baptist because they've got something that they don't. You know what I'm talking about? You got all this, all this petty stuff just and it's almost like, look at us because we are better than you because we get this and you don't. And it's all this crap. And I was thinking about that. And, you know, a few weekends ago, I preached. Um, I don't really, I don't know if I consider myself a Pentecostal guy. I just consider myself a lover of Jesus. But I was, I was preaching and then there was a, a spirit-filled guy and then there was a Baptist guy. And there was some difference of beliefs, but we were all just preaching together and ministering together. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about this one voice worship and God gave me a vision and I'm not sure if, if we can do it unless you guys are going to say yes we will but he gave me a vision you know we're coming up on five years as a church and we've never been able to really do the coming together thing much outside of a worship experience because we've always been set up in teardown but God started giving me this vision of like five nights you can call them revival nights. You can call them 
whatever you want to, but five nights where the church came together with different preachers from different denominations and just coming together and celebrating Jesus. Not theological beliefs, not, not differences, but just people that love Jesus coming together and just falling in love with him all over again. Guys, you think we can do that for five years? Can we do five nights of just seeking him as a church? I said, can we do that together, five nights of just seeking him as a church? I believe we're supposed to do it. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know what the preachers are going to be. All I know is that it's time to break some denominational barriers if we're going to call ourselves One Voice Church. <laughs> you know? We've got to break some denominational barriers. We've got to, we've, we've got to, we've got to break some race barriers. We, we, we've, we've got to break some religious barriers. We, we have got to become people who simply say, God, we are seeking you. That's all we want. After all these people got together, and y'all can stand if you want, I'm going to close. After all these people got together, and they were communing, and they were celebrating, and they all said, God, yes. Look at Exodus 24, verse 15. Then Moses climbed up the mountain, and the cloud covered it. And the glory of the Lord settled down on Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from inside the cloud. To the Israelites at the foot of the mountain, to the glory of the Lord appeared at the summit like a consuming fire. In verse 18, and then Moses disappeared into the cloud as he climbed higher up the mountain. And he remained on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. After they came together in one voice worship, it was a time appointed for Moses to get into the presence of God for 40 days, and he got the instructions on how to build this tabernacle. And for the next 10 or 15, I think, chapters, it talks about the details of building this dwelling place of God. That's where we're going to go in these next few weeks. I'm tired of being casual church. I'm ready to see that on fire group of people who are ready to get instruction, who are ready to become seekers of him, how many of you are ready to become seekers of God? Like not, like not seekers of self, not seekers of God, provide my needs, but just seeking him for who he is, knowing that there is a promise on the other end. That not that we deserve it, but that he loves us that much. If we can just become a one-voice people, all the things that the church has been praying for for hundreds of years, they'll burst forth in an instant. All we've got to do is seek him.